Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Happy Monday, Beth. Happy Monday. How's it going? Good. You're coming off back. spring break now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a fun-filled spring break. We went to the Eastern Shore mm-hmm. for some days, and that was fun. That's where my husband grew up, so. Yeah. We were on the water. It was beautiful. Hope you enjoyed all those snaps and pictures I sent you. Oh, I did. It was so pretty. (laughs) So pretty. So fun. Our best friends are there and our kids' best friends. And I mean, I didn't even see my oldest for like four days, literally, for meals. Did you, you, so they live there. So they were staying. They live next door. Oh, okay. Okay. So you Mm -hmm. were in the house yourself. I wasn't sure if you all were like staying in the same house or not. No, we were in the house my husband grew up in, mm-hmm. and they live directly next door. Oh, okay. Well, that's fun. And then their parents live across the street. Oh. Yeah. Nice little community. And yeah, and then we have other friends that live. It is the smallest town ever. Mm. Like, literally population 400. What? They don't have – I'm not kidding. It's 30 minutes to get to anywhere. They have a gas station, a bank, huh. and that is it. There's oh. no school. There's no restaurant. There's no no crime. Nothing, literally, a gas station, a bank. <laughs> I don't know about that, <laughs> but you have to drive 30 minutes to get to a grocery store or a Walmart or a oh. restaurant. There's no. Oh, I forgot the garlic powder, honey. Run out and grab it for me. Well, no, because you get them from the neighbor. It's literally one of those. Like right. I had to have two cups of milk for something, and we were out of milk, and so I literally was like, "Can I?" two cups of milk, please, <laughs> at our friend's store. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's great fun. It's like it's like a secret place. Mm-hmm. Huh, cool. Well, I know. Awesome. I told you we should take a girl's trip. Yeah. Well, heck yeah. I'm in. Yeah. It just takes a while to get there. There's not an airport either. <laughs> oh, see. Well, I think the closest one is like 40 minutes, something like well, that. Well, that's not terrible, but hmm. it'd be fun. Or you can fly to Baltimore. Okay. Well, I don't like that place. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You've talked about that. You hate Baltimore so much. I just hate the airport because I've literally never had any good experiences there. I always get delayed, miss a flight, like Mm -hmm. no matter what. Yeah. No. But now I'm back. There were lots of puppies. It was super fun. Oh, yay. Yes. I got pictures of puppies too. Yeah. (laughs) Puppies in water. It's kind of nice. How are you? What's going on with you? Not a whole lot. I'm, That's good. Yeah. We got, we've been swimming. Yes. It is nice and warm so here. Nice. The pool's open. It's heated. We are living our best lives. So, And all complain. the friends are there. You had like a big house full. Oh, gosh. Easter weekend, we had seven kids total at one point. Mm-hmm. And th- two, three teenagers, one preteen, <laughs> one fourth grader. Extra. Yeah. Well, no, I'm counting my kids too. Fourth grader and two oh, okay. third graders. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was all, it was just, it was like a free for all on Easter Sunday. I was like, bring it on. I don't care. Yeah. But whatever. We weren't doing anything big. She just so. made ham for everybody. I did. I was like, thankfully, I have this <laughs> so ham great. that like literally feeds us usually for days, but it'll feed this crew. <laughs> yeah. Love that. So I love that about you. <laughs> well, it was the best. Like, I mean, everyone's happy when they, mm-hmm. have, you know. So every everybody was doing well, and we've been struggling with our middle guy for a little bit, and everybody was getting along. So that's nice. I love that. So anyway, it was a, it was a 
Easter miracle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> not the <laughs> Easter miracle. <clears throat> Which, by the way, not to get into religion, <laughs> but I did read somewhere, somebody posted something about how like Easter, how it changes every year. And it's like, mm-hmm. what other holiday like changes? Like Jesus' death did not happen on a different day every year. <laughs> right. That's true. That is weird. Hmm. Oh, maybe because they don't want to do Easter Wednesday or Easter Tuesday. So but why like whatever can't it be is like Thanksgiving is the third Thursday of whatever? November. <laughs> yes. It just could not remember that word. I got you. Um, you know, like you could make it like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but there's got to be a way to make it universal. <laughs> like, I know. The true. death date weird. did not change. We got to Google that yes. and see like what that's about. Yeah, it's clearly not Stay biblically tuned. correct. So, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to go in that. But I saw that and I was like, you know, I never, why did I never think of that? Like, yeah. why does it change every year? Yeah, because <laughs> my oldest March, was born around Easter, yeah. right? But like when he was actually born, Easter was two weeks later. Anyway. Yeah. No, same whatever. with me. Because we're <laughs> yeah. around the True. Same oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, what yeah. the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, well, now that we've talked about all the happy things going on in our lives. Yeah. You want to get into the crazy? <laughs> I don't know if I do on this one, but okay. Yeah. It's a rough one. So stay right. tuned. I'll do it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You are going to hate this case. Yay. I know. That's a great way to start it out. <laughs> it is. is it? it oh, no, is, I know what that means. It's beyond a doozy, in my opinion. It's heartbreaking, it's horrific, and it involves a child. So there's my trigger warning for all of you people out there and you. Okay. Yikes. Stripes. Yes. This case was recommended by Trina over on Facebook. She messaged us on Facebook. Um, Hi, Trina. She actually gave you Matthew Murray and another one. Oh, Matthew Murray, the spree killer. Nice. I think, I think so. Um. And she has somewhat of a connection to one of the families in this case. I'll kind of explain that later. Um, But anyway, this is the tragic story of Ethan Stacy. Okay. Never heard. I hadn't either. And I wish, I now wish I still haven't heard about it. Okay. Joe Stacy. So, okay, well, let me preface this too with, there is information out there. There's quite a bit. It's just trying to piece together all of the background stuff was a little difficult and there was just kind of like gaps and stuff. So I just did the best I could with what I had. Okay. So Joe Stacy um, in the early 2000s is married to Michelle and they have two children together and he's in the military and they're living near Savannah, Georgia. The couple separates and is heading down the path of divorce when he meets Stephanie Croft, who is also enlisted in the military. 
So he divorces his first wife, marries this one. They get okay. married sometime in 2004. Okay. And they welcome Ethan into the world on September 22nd, 2005, which okay. is one of my kids' birthdays. Well, not oh, yes. the same year, but day. So uh, the family is living in Richlands, Virginia, which is like way west corner of uh, corner. Corner. Why does this happen? Um <laughs> Of Virginia. So, like, kind of underneath West Virginia, like, all the way in the west. You know, that little, like, that jets out in Virginia. Right. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. if you're looking, thinking of the shape of the state. Mm -hmm. Joe's ex-wife, Michelle, would often take Ethan for weekend trips, um, weekends at her house, whatever, you know, whenever they needed help with her two children. They all got along. She said he was a joy to be around. He was a sweet boy who was well-behaved. She would say that her and Stephanie didn't necessarily get along very well. They pretty much only got along when Stephanie needed someone to watch Ethan. So hmm. she she did it because these were her children's like half sibling and she was a nice person, but she's like she wasn't really my kind of person, I guess. Okay. So that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Okay. So it's not extremely clear, but at some point the family lives in Florida. And so, actually, this is where our our um, listener Trina, she she knows somebody in this case that I haven't mentioned yet. And wherever they lived first, they moved to Florida. So again, I don't know where and wh- when they moved there. It's so okay. very hard to like find the specific dates. But anyway, so they moved to Florida. Stephanie lives in Orlando during her adolescent years. And I say that because there's court documents and proceedings that happen in Florida. But again, I don't know when they moved. Okay. She lived there for a while. It's also reported that Joe was injured while working on the Gulf Coast, which, you know, is in Florida. And he's an oil rig worker. And he this happened around 2007. And he had filed a lawsuit for damages against this company. So that's also like okay. Kinda- why we know they lived in the state of Florida, because other than that, it's not really mentioned a whole lot. In 2009, Stephanie mentions to coworkers and friends that her marriage is having trouble and she chooses to move to Las Vegas to find work. And she lives there for a very short time. According to friends and family, Stephanie sort of went off the deep end and left Joe and Ethan. So Joe files for divorce in October of 2009, and both are sent to parenting classes as per Florida law. So they were living in Florida when they started down the path. What does that mean, the deep end? I don't know. It's literally mentioned in one um, article. And so I just think, I don't know. I don't know. She, okay. she wasn't in her right mind, I think. Okay. So it wasn't that she just was like, I'm done with this marriage now and I'm going to move on. Something else happened traumatic or something. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. There are people state that she didn't really care much for Ethan and she he was just kind of like a pawn in her game in mm, certain no, areas. So I, I, I don't know that for sure though, but it is mentioned by several people. So- Anyway, I mean, you'll get a better picture as I go on. I was going to say, I just already don't like this at all. Yeah. No, it's not cool. It was reported that on October 8th, Stephanie got a Facebook message from Nathan Sloop. Okay. So now this is the person who Trina knows or knows this family. 
Okay. The Sloops. The Sloops. Who Mm -hmm. they lived in her area. They went to church together. Oh, wow. um, And that even when they stopped going to the church, they saw them around town. And then at some point she said that she doesn't know why that they moved to Florida too. And so that's when they kind of lost touch, but she still is kind of in contact with some friends and family members now. But okay. Anyway, the two, those two, Nathan and Stephanie had gone to the same high school, but they were four years apart. So they didn't really connect back then. I think they knew who each other were, but you know, he's four years older. So freshman, senior, you're not like hanging out with the freshman. They apparently, but in October of 2009, they reconnect somehow. Somehow he finds her on Facebook. He messages her. They apparently speak on the phone over the next 24 hours. And she, the next day, gets on a plane and heads to Utah to meet up with Nathan. Oh. So here you can kind of see where, well, that's not a decision that a lot of people would make. Correct. That is a rash decision. Yeah. Reconnect with somebody who you knew, fine. But I'm definitely not getting on a plane the next day to be like, okay, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Let's hang out. And apparently ever since then, they have never spent a night apart after that. Okay. So, okay. Good good on you, I guess. Maybe you made a good decision for yourself. Not really though. I was going to say the end. <laughs> no, no, it's not the end. I wish it was. Joe files a petition to get full custody of Ethan because he feels like his wife is unstable and unable to parent him. And he's afraid that Stephanie will take Ethan when he she comes or gets him for visitation and then never bring him back. So he adds this to his court filings in the divorce. Okay. Well, that seems fair, but okay. Yes. According to friends, once Stephanie got with Nathan – she changed completely. I kind of feel like maybe she had started changing before then when she chooses to up and leave her husband and child, but apparently it didn't happen until she met Nathan. Mm. She would say things about taking Ethan and not letting Josie in. Like she told one friend, oh, I can't wait to see Ethan and I'm never going to bring him back. So it seems like Joe had a pretty good reason for Mm -hmm. feeling that this would happen. She also – at the same time, offers Joe full custody. She says she would give up her parental rights if he gave her half of whatever his settlement was. So this Hmm. is where I'm saying Ethan seemed like a pawn in her Mm -hmm. game because she's just using him to get what she wants and Mm -hmm. manipulate Joe. Yes. And Joe's like, I I don't care. Like, I just want my son. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, and in the end, after all the things that occur in this story, Joe was like, I would have given her every dime if mm-hmm. we could have prevented what happened. From oh, happening. no. So, okay. The two finalized their divorce on April 28th, 2010 in Florida. Joe was granted full custody. But even though he had full custody, Stephanie was granted summer visitation. So the rule would be he would stay with Ethan during – I mean, Ethan would stay with Joe during the school year. And then she would he would spend the summer in Utah with mom. All summer. All summer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Joe attended this 10-minute court proceeding, but Stephanie did not. However, I believe based on what happened, she was in the state of Florida. So I don't know why she wouldn't have attended. Hmm. Like why go to Florida unless it was just like, well, I'm going to get my visitation. So I'm going to take Ethan from there. But she didn't attend the proceedings for whatever reason. So after the finalization, Joe gets back in his, or goes back to his hometown in Richlands, Virginia. He he didn't want to live in Florida anymore, so he goes and moves back to his hometown. Stephanie 
again, like I said, who didn't attend the proceedings, and Ethan then board a plane to Utah immediately after this. Okay. So she gets her summer because he's four at this time. Okay. So he's not in school. So Because in my head, I was thinking, well, but it's not summer yet. Like, what? he should still be – but it's not really technically school age for him. So mm-hmm. she got him right away. Joe had only – okay. So she goes back to Utah and she's got – she's with Nathan. Joe had only met Nathan one time for like 30 minutes. He had flown out to Utah at some point to get a car from Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she drove – like a mutual, like a shared car with, you know, out there. And then he had to get it. I don't know, but this is what was stated. So he did not get a good feeling from him at the time, but since this was a court ordered visitation thing, he didn't have a choice, but to send Ethan with his mom. I tell you what, that is so frustrating to have a child and be court ordered to allow your child in a situation that you are not comfortable putting them in Mm -hmm. and being absolutely powerless to do anything or say, even say anything about it. Right. Because that's a worst case scenario as a parent. Right. You don't want to like risk losing the custody that you have or like being in contempt of court for exactly not following all those things. It is a very, it's a sticky situation. So anyway, but Okay, so he's a little concerned about this, and his feelings were pretty accurate because if you search Nathan Sloop's court records, between the years of 2000 and 2003, he has several convictions on his record, criminal mischief, disorderly conduct, and drug possessions. Mm-hmm. Okay. In, in 2003, he was sentenced to up to five years in prison, but the charges were downgraded to misdemeanors, and he only ends up spending 30 days in jail for one drug charge and then gets a six-month suspended sentence for the other hmm. drug charge. So not, not the greatest background, but mm-hmm. anyway. Nothing violent, it doesn't seem. Okay. Until in Ugh. March of 2009, Nathan, who was also married previously, his former wife, Jennifer, gets a protective order against him. Mm. Jennifer and Nathan had gotten married back in 1999 at the ages of 19 and 20 in Florida. That same year, Nathan's father died of cancer and Trina had said that Nathan did not take that well. And he's just started going downhill down, like getting into drugs and not, not going down a good path. Okay. So in 2004, Jennifer got pregnant and they moved out to Utah. Nathan insisted that she be a stay-at-home mom, which, I mean, some people might take that really well. Like, okay, great, awesome. Uh, you you got this and I'll just take care of the kid. Fine. Well, I, I think insisting that your spouse does anything is mm-hmm. probably not a good partnership. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not no. a, it's not a good way to go about things. No, because as I'm about to state, over time, he becomes more and more controlling mm-hmm. of her. And he would slap her, pull her hair, even pushed her up against walls at times. She states that he had multiple personalities. Oh, okay. I do know, we do are aware that it's not, uh, the um, diagnosed condition is not called that anymore. But at the time of all of this, it still was called multiple personality. I don't know if he was diagnosed with that. I was just going to say, was he actually clinically diagnosed with that disorder? Um, At this time, I don't know. Okay. But she states he has multiple personalities, and there was one that she called Ghost. Okay. And when Ghost would come out, he would go in full rage mode, and he everything that was said, he would take personal offense to. Okay. 
So she decided to take her daughter out of that situation and move back to Florida in October of 2007. Nathan started making threatening calls to Jennifer, and this is when she got her protective order against him. Okay. Here we are, like, now this is now turning a little bit violent, and Mm -hmm. so – Scary. I'm glad she got out. I am too. That's really – that's a big thing. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. So good, good, Jennifer. Right. However, do you remember how I stated that Joe had made a – like, added to the file of the the divorce file that he wanted to – he was concerned about – sorry, um, Stephanie not being stable enough. Yeah. Right? Okay. So the judge in that divorce later admits – I don't know if it was a male or female. I can't remember. He or she never read that part of the file. No, that's – wait. Oh, come on. Okay. And it was stated that he or she was like, well, this case seemed cut and dry. They had a plan in place already, including shared custody. And so I just was like, yep, rubber stamp it, done, divorce done, but never read the whole file. Possibly had they read the file and then did some research on Stephanie and maybe who she is living with at Nathan. the time, mm-hmm. this story would have ended differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't help but think that. I can't say that for 100% certainty, but you can't yeah. help but think that now, like right. hindsight, right? Could have been a system fail. Right. Could have been. So, all right. So now we've got um, Ethan at in Utah with mom starting April 28th. Joe calls Ethan every day to talk to him while he's mm-hmm. at his mother's house. But starting on May 5th, which is like barely a week into his stay, Stephanie started giving Joe excuses as to why Ethan could not come to the phone. And this continued for days and also wouldn't call him back. And Ethan would never call him back. Mm-hmm. Stephanie would also complain to Joe at the time about Ethan's behavior, which really did not make any sense considering what people have said about Ethan, that he was so well-behaved and such a sweet boy and whatnot. It is possible that he didn't want to be with his mom because Joe did state that Ethan said, I don't want to go stay with mommy. So Mm -hmm. maybe he did start to act out, but I can't imagine that he was being so awful that you can't handle a four-year-old, right? Right. So on May 10th, 2010, Stephanie calls the police to report Ethan missing. Come on. She stated that Ethan had gotten out of bed and wandered out of their apartment barefoot and in his pajamas. And that he had also gotten out of bed and wandered out of um, his room five out of the last 10 days that he was with them. Okay. 40 officers came out to help wow. search for this. I know. I don't know why we have this specific number, but we do. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. But it's a small town, I guess, in Utah, really. I don't know. Actually, I don't know where. where I can't remember the town the name of the town. Anyways, so 40 officers come out and help search for this four-year-old four year Ethan. They searched closets in the home and cupboards. They searched dumpsters in the area. All the sex offenders in the area were interviewed and their homes were searched completely. Okay. Nothing would come out. Throughout that night and the following day, police were with Stephanie and Nathan, and they kind of felt like the more they talked about this, the more there was holes in their story or something would change and their statements would be inconsistent. And so they were like, there's something more to this. Mm. So they really start to lean in on them. And eventually the couple admitted to horrific events that led police to a canyon close to a mountain called Powder Mountain Ski Resort. And Mm -hmm. it was about 20 miles from where they lived. Ethan, I mean, Nathan led police to a shallow grave covered with, (gasps) like sprinkled with dog food. 
because I think they placed that there so that they would be able to find it again. I don't know. What? Seemed like a really odd thing to to mark this grave with. But anyways, they recovered the body of Ethan Stacy <sighs> wrapped in eight garbage bags. Oh, no. None of the officers or investigators close to this case would comment on the state of the body to, like, media or anything. Because mm. it was just too horrific for them to even talk about. No. So here's the part of the story that some of you might need to skip because it's going to be hard to hear. I'm going to go through the timeline leading up to Ethan's death. Did they As call p- Joe? Is Joe – where's Joe? Yeah, Who's Joe that? knows. Okay. Joe it, Joe – Joe is called – he actually ends up calling um, his ex-wife, Michelle, and they're, like, on the phone crying about, you know, about this together. Oh, my goodness. To one of the articles. But, yeah. Okay. So this timeline is put together through statements made by Stephanie and Nathan and also from, like, police just investigating this, you know, crime. And also photos and videos that documented it all on Stephanie's phone. Like, come on. What? You- Yes, you're taking pictures of your child as he's going through this horrific. Oh, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. I'm already nauseous. Oh, yeah. no. Okay. So on May 5th, the first day that Joe started getting excuses and not able to talk to Ethan, it is believed to be the first day that the abuse started. Nathan started to discipline Ethan for reasons that were not entirely clear initially. He brought him into a bedroom and began slapping and beating him in the head and face. His face ended up being swollen and bruised as per pictures on Stephanie's phone. He's four. I know. Mm. I know. On May 6th, the couple who had plans to get married later in that year decided that they could wait no longer and they head to the courthouse to get married. And while they are doing this, they lock Ethan in a bedroom at their home because they know that if someone saw him in the state Mm -hmm. that he was in, they would call authorities or DCFS, whatever. And oh my God. They would get in trouble. In my opinion, by the way, they decide to get married because at this point, like Stephanie, they both know what's happening and Stephanie mm-hmm. can't testify against Ethan. Or mm-hmm. I keep saying Ethan because Nathan, Ethan, Nathan, if she's married to him. That's right. my opinion. I don't know. And vice versa. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So at some point, Around the 6th or the 7th, they're giving him Motrin, Benadryl, and other medications. He also becomes lethargic, was not eating, and had a fever and was vomiting. And according to um, experts, they're saying these are all signs of brain injuries. Concussion. Mm -hmm. Of some sort. On May 7th, Stephanie came home from work, I think. She just came home and found Ethan with bad burns on his feet, legs, and butt. Nathan claimed it was an accident in a hot bath. I don't know how you have an accident in a hot bath, but according to investigators, the water in the apartment could get up to 152 degrees, which is really hot if you're sticking a poor little baby in their bathtub. Oh my God. On May 8th, employees of Walgreens confirmed seeing Stephanie come in to develop pictures, and she stated that they were pictures of her son who had died that morning. Now, we're kind of unclear as to what day she died because that's what she states on May 8th. She was also seen buying lighter fluid from a gas station, a separate um, place. But on May 9th, which was Mother's Day that year, Ethan was found dead. This is what they're reporting in his bed. And it's 
to me, questionable since on May 8th, she said he died that morning to the Walgreens Mm -hmm. people. So I don't know. So I don't know if this is just what they told police. Instead of calling authorities, the two plan to dispose of his body. They wrap him in garbage bags and bring him to Powder Mountain and bury him in a shallow grave. I know all of this has been really tough to hear, but what happens next is even next level, in my opinion. Nathan, just before putting him in his grave, took a hammer to his face and teeth in order to disfigure him in case he was found. And so they wouldn't be able to recognize him or identify him with dental records. I'm sorry. I just teared up. Oh, my God. What the actual hell? Messed up people is what the actual hell. Oh, my gosh. And then May 10th is the day he was reported missing. So the two were arrested and were charged with felony child abuse, obstruction of justice, and desecration of a corpse. And Nathan had the added charge of aggravated homicide. Because it is believed that he did all of the abuse Mm -hmm. and that she didn't – I mean, she sat around and did nothing, but she didn't – She took pictures. Well, yeah. Psycho. Oh, yeah. In 2013, information about text messages were shared between the, com- the couple, and Nathan stated that the two thought they needed to break this four-year-old because he was that bad of a kid that they had to break him. He sent a text stating, I told you we had a pit bull on our hands, but, they'll, but they learn. Stephanie writes, just like mommy, LOL. Nathan then says, I told you we have to break his ego. Really? He's four. He's four. Sorry. On May 5th, he texts, he is broke, that's for sure. We got to figure out how to keep him in his room. Like, what? My This? Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nathan also states that they believed that Joe had taught him to misbehave just to get back at Stephanie and that they needed to do what they could to get their boy back. He also says that Stephanie did not take part in any of the abuse and that she would go outside and smoke a cigarette and tell Nathan, you take care of him. Hmm. So, well, so to me, that's not really doing nothing. That's actually kind of giving Nathan permission. You're complicit. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After his arrest, they also have recorded phone conversations with Nathan and his mother where he states, Ethan is a poltergeist. The child is poison that sunk my relationship with Stephanie like a battleship. I am sorry, but no four-year-old can do anything like that to him. No, no child no. in general. Sorry. No. It's, not, it's not the kid. If your relationship is going downhill, it's because your relationship is going downhill. It's not. Maybe it's, it's because you're a psychopath, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. In a pretrial hearing, in pretrial hearings for Nathan, they have a toxicologist come in and testify about the manner of death. The cause of death was scalding, aspiration pneumonia, and too many medications in his system. That's what it stated. Torture. The yes. cause of death was torture. Mm-hmm. Many of the medications found in his system were prescriptions in Nathan's name and in adult doses. Were in his, so they weren't giving him smaller doses. They were giving him full-on they, adult What doses. were they? Like narcotic medication um, or? Xanax. Um, um Xanax was listed as one of them, and others were just saying it was like Motrin, Benadryl, and Mm -hmm. it didn't really state all of them, but I know Xanax was was listed as one. Okay. Um, He had bruises on his head and legs, burns on – and some of them they did state look like just typical four-year-old boy falling, playing, whatever, but there was definitely more to it than that. 
the burns on his legs, feet, and bottom, but they didn't. He didn't have any burns on his knees, so it was kind of it indicated that he was like sitting up in the water with his knees bent, mm-hmm. you know, and that's mm-hmm. why there was. Oh those my burns. gosh! There were also chemical burns on his body that occurred after death, and it was stated in one of the articles that they intended to burn his body. Mm-hmm. Before they buried him, and that that was didn't Stephanie's you say she idea. bought lighter fluid? After yeah, Walgreens? So, but it, but his body wasn't burned. I don't think in that way, or maybe the, maybe parts of his body was. He did have severe burns on him. Okay. Ethan was also dehydrated because of how severe those burns were on his body, mm. in combination with all the medications that were in his system. In February of 2014, Nathan Sloop pled guilty but mentally ill to aggravated murder. He stated, there is no excuse. I made mistakes, and because of those mistakes, Ethan Stacy is no longer with us. The boy died on my watch, and I'm horribly sorry. Hmm. He was mentally ill at the time, for sure. I I think you'd have to be. Yes. This – yeah. There's just no way. I I just – I cannot believe that you would do this to a child just because – you, uh, unless you were. It is stated that although it appeared Nathan was not mentally well at the time that this occurred, he is now, however, better and likely due to receiving the treatment that he needs. Mm-hmm. So, so he seemed to be pretty lucid when he was making that statement. Like, I cannot believe I did this to mm-hmm. this child. Nathan was immediately sentenced to 25 years to life as per the plea agreement. He also mm-hmm. avoided the death a possible death penalty by Mm -hmm. pleading guilty. The additional charges of felony child abuse and desecration of a corpse and obstruction of justice were dropped in that case. Nathan also faced additional charges not long after that because while he was in jail, he attacked a deputy in the jail. He punched him, tried to gouge his eyes out, and bit him. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He received 15 years for that to be served concurrently. Okay. His first parole hearing, it's stated would be May of 2055, but that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. If this was 2014. 25 years. 25 years. Right. That would be. Right. So 25 years would be the first time you were eligible. Oh, maybe they changed it, though, because of the other charge. But they Maybe they pushed back his parole. Yeah, but they still could have pushed back his parole date. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Like they could have said, well, you were going to be eligible eligible for parole after 25 years, but now we're going to fif- give you 15 years and push your parole date. That could have happened. Okay. All right. I, I didn't hope know that's what happened. That. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay. So in November of 2014, Stephanie also pled guilty to first degree aggravated murder and second degree obstru- obstruction of justice. Although it was believed that Nathan committed all of the abuse, she just stood by and did nothing to help. Mm-hmm. She is immediately sentenced to 20 years to life for murder and 15 years for obstruction to be served concurrently as well. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like they should be served consecutively. Uh, she absolutely. Be- she did say that she had battered spouse syndrome and that she had been abusing prescription drugs at the time. And she was afraid of Nathan and was afraid that he would hurt her if she tried to intervene. So apparently her life was more important than Ethan's, I guess, because I'm sorry. I'd be like, nope, I'm going to do what I can to get my kid out. Do mm-hmm. what you want to me. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, anyway. And apparently she also sought, sought an annulment of their marriage due to all of this. So <laughs> maybe she was taking those pictures 
as evidence so that if she needed to come back later, she could prove it to somebody of him. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's me thinking better Giving than her the I benefit should. of the doubt probably. Yeah. When she I don't know. deserve it. No, I don't think she deserves it either. Prosecutors sent a letter to the Board of Pardons and Paroles asking them to keep her in prison for the rest of her natural life. So I don't know how – like. Hmm. If this is definitely taken into consideration when she finally goes up for parole, I don't know. But they wrote this letter to them. Yeah. So like I said, Trina knows Nathan's family Mm. and says his brother is a pastor in Florida and wants nothing to do with him and Uh doesn't have any contact. Um, She also said that he does like he does paint or art in prison and does I think it's paintings and just uses what like materials he can come up with in, in prison. And her, his mother helps him sell his art under a different name. And she sent me the website of their, like, I don't know where they sell this page or something. No, it's a full on, it's called chaos art. I was reading about it earlier today, actually. Um, I am going to link, link it just so you're aware, but they definitely don't just sell Nathan's art. It states that they sell um, art for people who struggle with mental illness and mm-hmm. might be um, like a recluse or people that isolate themselves. And so they're not able to go out in public and get their art out there because they just mm-hmm. can't handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems like it's, I don't know, like, a pretty nice thing that they're doing. However, they're still selling her, their, her son's stuff, which I mean, guess maybe, maybe because he's doing better, we should give him the benefit of the doubt too, because he was mentally ill at the time that he committed these crimes. But I don't know. I still don't want his art on my wall. No, no. So zero chance I'm buying anything from that because I don't know where it's coming from. Anything that he touches is yeah. Poison. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't redeem yourself from that. I'm sorry. Like I'm glad that he's better now, but that that's there's no coming back when you no. do things like that. Like you just you are no. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's the story of Ethan Stacy. It is awful. I mm-hmm. Literally, I, I wrote to Trina as soon as I started. I said, I just started looking into this and I'm already sick to my stomach. Just yeah, because it's just horrible. And it was really hard to piece together. So I'm sorry if it sounded like real choppy and weird at parts, but it was hard to, no, you- to piece all of the things together. But anyway, I can't. And poor Joe. I know. Poor I know. Joe. He is remarried, I believe, now. And I mean, he has other kids. Mm-hmm. But gosh, this this Horrific. could have been prevented, I believe. I believe 100% it could have been prevented. I mean, all of these, I'm sure murders can be prevented. But this one, I mean, he it was in the court documents. I'm really pissed about that. I'm really pissed. Yeah. About that. So. It's interesting that the judge later came forward and admitted that, though. Yeah. Because that, was, that took a lot to be like, man, I messed up. I didn't even read that. You know, yeah. like, it was big on the judge to say mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I I hope that judge won't do that again. I know. Let's read let's read all of the all mm-hmm. of the things. All of the submitted documentation. Yes. Yes, exactly. Let's Well, that was awful. That was absolutely horrific. I know. And as sad as it was, we are 
honored to tell Ethan's story Mm -hmm. and hopefully make people aware that, you know, slips in the system happen and I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I I mean, gosh, I think he did have an advocate. I think Joe tried. Right. And it's just so sad that things like that actually happen and that he had to become a victim of a fail. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Yeah. I feel like that probably puts you in a space. 100%. Researching, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't even just saying, I was literally sick to my stomach that when I, the first day when I just, first started reading the articles, I was like, I don't even know. I mean, especially after the, what they did to hide his identity. Like, Mm -hmm. mm -mm. nope. Nope. Monstrous. Horrific. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for taking that on because I sure would have been running from the hills. Yeah. I bet you would. I would have. I think, I, I think that might be one that I would have, if, should that have landed on my plate, I would have had to have been like, I'm sorry, I cannot. Yeah. But it is important to talk about these cases. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and to come together and mourn mm-hmm. the loss of this little boy. And I'm glad they're in jail. I hope yes. they stay there. I really do. Oh, 100%. I, yeah, I do too. But, and I do feel bad for Nathan's family because that would just be, I mean, they're victims too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, I mean, can you imagine if that were your kid, your brother, your, whew, no, I can't. I'm, you know, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine if I were to find out that somebody in my family did something this horrific. Like, how? What would I do? What would I do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I would not buy their art. No, heck no. No, I would not. No, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Cannot support you. Yeah. All right. Well, there's that. Let's wrap it up. Um, okay. You guys can go about your Monday and, um, I don't know, have some ice cream for Ethan today mm-hmm. or something. What what did he love? What was his favorite thing? Yeah, we should I find out know. and post it and do oh, that for him today. Okay. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, little baby. Um, thank you guys for joining us. This was a really hard one. We normally don't get this dark and sad, but you know, it happens sometimes. So we appreciate you sticking it with us. Um, if you like what you hear, we do have a Patreon, so you can get more over there. Uh, bonus episode every single month with a crime. And then we do a little chit chat bonus that we talk about some random stuff, kind of more personal and fun, um, lighthearted. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. our palate cleanser, and those come out twice a month. So um, come find us on social media. Do something good today. Hug your babies if you got them. Hug your fur babies if you got them. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.